have products that people need uh, and it's more difficult for them to get to the store. So anyway, you can continue to build your loyalty and the benefits of your community by saying, we're here for you. Welcome back to the Wedgworth Leadership Institute podcast. I'm Ann Schwartz, and today I'm excited to share the second part of our conversation with University of Florida Associate Professor, Dr. Lori Baker. In our last episode, Lori shared the first five of her top 10 best practices for selling agricultural products online. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I definitely recommend taking a few minutes to check it out. As a refresher, in the last episode, Lori talked about the importance of using storytelling, messaging, credibility, reviews and testimonials, and photos in order to attract customers and make your product pop online. With all that in mind, let's get started and hear the next item on the list. The number six thing that I have is quick delivery and reasonable shipping. Um, our very first Amazon study um, we looked at different shipping times and we looked at how people were selling on their own websites. And within people's own websites, they had a tendency to put up something like a PDF and say, download this form, fill it out, fax it back to us. And then if you haven't heard from us in a few days, call us back. Well, that's not really how most of us operate, right? Um, we're not going to go through all of those steps when there are other products available that might be easier for us to get. So if you can think through the process as a consumer of how, how would this process work for me? And, and would it be a reasonable expectation for me to download a form and print it and fax it to you? In most cases, that's not the case. So looking for things that have a fully functioning shopping cart built into your website, and there are a lot of options available with that. We actually have a blog post um, on ruleengagement.org under blog, that's um, that's our Cree website, um, that goes into some of those options for plugins for websites to, to create a full shopping cart experience. Those things really make a difference. I will say, you know, my example of our family farm purchasing um, while I live in Florida, purchasing from someone in Kansas, it has always come to me in less than a week, which I find very reasonable, um, knowing that it's coming across the country and them being very upfront with where they're located. Um, they do offer discounts in shipping for people that are closer to them and they advertise those regularly. Um, so making it clear to your customers um, what they're paying extra for. In my case, I'm paying a little bit more because I know it's going a little bit further. Um, and I assume hopefully after this post, I may be able to get many more meat products from many of you um, that can be shipped to me for a cheaper rate. So I look forward to seeing that. But I know up front um, that I'm paying a little bit extra for that story and that location. Number seven really ties in with a lot of these other things is really looking at quality. And I know that all of you have really quality products um, that you're looking to sell but making sure people know about that quality on the front end is important. So finding ways um, to talk about how you're producing your product from the very beginning to the very end to make it of high quality, to make sure that it arrives in a high quality um, component is equally important. Um, some of the people we worked with early on that were selling plants in an online environment some of their poor reviews online said, well, this plant arrived dead. 
well, when we talked to the people who, who were shipping the plant to kind of figure out what was going on, they said, no, it wasn't dead. It was dormant. That was how it was supposed to arrive. Um, well, that includes a bit of an education piece, right? Um, a consumer who isn't familiar with your product may not know that that's the form it's supposed to arrive in. Um, they also may not know if something arrives frozen, if they're supposed to keep it frozen, if they're supposed to allow it to defrost in the refrigerator. They're going to need some of those um, additional pieces to know what quality looks like when it arrives. So making sure you communicate what quality is for you, what it really looks like for you, and how the consumer can be empowered to make sure it becomes quality on the other end. Um, another piece um, is certainly what they're going to do with it. I'm not a plant person. Um, we research plants a lot, but I have a tendency to kill things. So I need step-by-step, -step, very detailed instruction over what to do when something arrives and how am I going to keep it in a quality situation. Um, sadly, the truth too is also true for cooking for me. I need a lot of detailed recipes. I'm going to need some specifics on terms and what to do. Um, I do have a, a, a mother who has a lot of degrees in what was home economics at the time she went through. So she's embarrassed at how little I know because she did try to teach me, but I didn't seem to retain that information. So I'm going to need a recipe. Um, I'm going to have to know what to do with your product and how to incorporate it and what to pair it with. Um, so other people out there are going to need to know that type of information to make sure that quality goes all the way from your farm or your field to their plate um, because they have to be empowered to do something with it when it arrives. Number eight fits in nicely with that is discounts and loyalty benefits. Again, we have not conducted research on the discounts and loyalty benefits piece, but there is a lot of research out there on the value of discounts and loyalty. Some of this simply comes from if you made the experience easy for them the first time, then they're going to come back because they already know what your experience looks like. Um, so I think about it from a personal perspective. If it's a brand new store that I've never gone to, I might be a little hesitant to go there. I might be a little hesitant to find them online. Um, but once it's happened once or once I know that one of my friends has already done it, then it's much easier for me to do it and I will continue to be loyal over time. So sometimes that comes in the form of a discount code. Um, there are a lot of promotional programs where, um, you know, if I recommend someone, then I get a discount as well as them getting a discount. So paying attention to building that community and building um, discounts and loyalty benefits for people, depending on your situation, maybe you're, you're doing boxes of vegetables or something. Um, perhaps after they've purchased two boxes, they get a discount on the third box, something that that makes them want to continue coming back and, and share that message with a friend if that's a discount coupon for a friend as well. Um, again, there's been a ton of research in those pieces. And one of the things that we really see transitioning into an online environment is people are building a community online. So this has started, um, you know, probably in the last eight, nine, 10 years um, that we're seeing people connect with brands online in a way um, that they used to when they were buying from the shop that was just two doors down from them or was walking distance to them. Um, but now we've seen people feel like 
they are a part of a brand or own a piece of a brand, even if that's very far away from them. So you can continue to, to build loyal consumers across the United States and, and perhaps beyond, depending on, on what your product is and its availability to ship overseas. Um, but you can build that community and continue to go back to them and ask them for things um, pay attention to what's happening for seasons, pay attention to what's happening with things like this COVID-19 virus. Many of you have products that people need uh, and it's more difficult for them to get to the store. So anyway, you can continue to build your loyalty and the benefits of your community by saying, we're here for you. And during this time, we're able to either ship directly to your door or we're able to have touchless um, curbside service where we can bring it out to you and you don't have to interact with other people or touch anything along the way. And again, we'll have more technical recommendations for that in our blog post um, on how to do some of those pieces without having to, to touch people or risk people's safety in that piece. But it's a great opportunity for you to build some of your loyalty with your customers. The number nine thing is really service after the sale. And again, these kind of build, they're, they're all related. If you're continuing to ask them to write a review for their experience, knowing that we don't feel like this is a one-time thing. We feel like you're now a part of our family once you've purchased from us. And that can happen um, through a lot of online aspects or in-person aspects. Some of the easiest ways are really um, to ask people to engage with you right away, to ask them to post when they cook that product um, or when they plant that plant, um, to go ahead and post to your website, to use your hashtag, to connect with you on social media or to write you that review. But also to say, you know, we're here for you. Um, if that plant arrives and you don't remember what you were supposed to do with it, we have these other opportunities for you to learn from our videos or to see the posts we have on Instagram teaching you how to use that product. Um, that works also great for recipes, um, for specialty items, or holidays to continue um, to remind people that you're there from the, for them and that you'll honor the quality of that product. We've seen in a lot of literature that people are willing to pay more if they feel like they're purchasing a quality product um, from an organization that's giving back to the community, that's supporting a family farm, and they need to know that that comes with um, more service after the sale, that you continue to be there for them to help them understand how to use it and, and how to purchase it again or how to purchase something slightly different if that wasn't the product um, that was their favorite once they got it home. My number 10 and final for this uh, top 10 list of, of best practices for leaders in agricultural online sales is really using partnerships. And this is an opportunity maybe for some of um the WLI alumni to get together and form some of these partnerships, but you don't have to do it alone. Um, again, if you're specializing in one particular product, like the family farm that I mentioned, um, selling Berkshire pork, well, they have partnered with people who um, are producing chicken and beef so that they can offer these butcher boxes that have a bunch of different things. So the last one we purchased had, um, I think, some chicken thighs and there was a beef roast and a pork roast um, 
all within the same box. So they integrated their shipping, they're doing partnerships together so that their consumer can get a more variety of products, but they're still able to focus on their high quality pork because that's the thing that they do really, really well. And so as you look around at your other alumni partners um, or people within your community, this may be something that you say, you know what, our farm um, is amazing at strawberries. That's the thing that we really do well. Um, but down the street, we have a friend who's really amazing at running, ch at growing chickens and they have high quality chicken. And so you're able to partner with them to sell group packages, or maybe you don't even package the products together, but you share the platform that you're using to do that. Because some of these do have expensive startup costs and some of them have some pretty extensive learning curves, depending on how tech savvy you are to start with and how um, electronic your business has been prior to going online. So anytime you can partner with people, um, that just impacts the things that you can do and, and grows your ability to get directly to consumers and help them with what they need, which is what I think we're all in this for. So I know 10 seems like a lot of things to do, but as you sort through your strategy and you think about the things that really work well for you, combinations of these work best. You don't necessarily have to just choose one, um, but working with partners and, and continuing to follow up with us at Cree, we would be happy to continue helping you as you learn and grow in this process. As I mentioned at ruleengagement.org, that's our online learning resource, which is basically a fancy way of saying that's our website where we put um, a lot of our learning tools on there. Um, we do have a blog post that goes into more of the technical aspects of this and, and how you actually do the delivery um, and some platforms that you can choose from. Um, but that is all I have in my list for today. And I wish you all the very best in your online selling adventures. And I hope to be purchasing some of your Florida products soon. Great. Thanks so much, Lori. And just so everyone knows, we will have a link to that blog post in the show notes of this episode and on our Facebook page. But now that we've heard everything on the list, I have a couple questions I want to ask you, Lori. First of all, after hearing all that information about how someone could improve the way they approach online selling, I want to ask, if someone were starting from scratch, where should they begin? Starting from scratch is a funny term because that could mean a lot of things, right? It could mean that they are regularly selling their products and they're already using um, an electronic inventory system and an electronic sales system with something like, um, you know, Squarespace or something like that. Those types of businesses, it's easier to sell online pretty quickly because those tools are already integrated. So you can look at some of those platforms if you're already using a website through something like WordPress, there are some plugins like WooCommerce or something like that, that you could use to get up and running and online sales pretty quickly. If you're not selling online at all and you don't have any sort of inventory system that's electronic, you've been doing um, all paper invoices or you're selling only to um, retailers, not directly to consumers. Um, well, you kind of have to take a step back and think about the logistics of your product. So I feel like meat is one of those things that um, 
is a little bit harder to do sometimes, right? Because it has to be refrigerated in some way, um, perhaps along great distances. So if somebody wasn't selling um, in any electronic format, but had um, a meat product to sell, it might be easier to start with regional sales than to start with shipping um, and all of the things that you have to do related to that. Um, in Minnesota, we have um, we have a partner with our University of Minnesota colleague there um, with Grass-Fed Cattle Company. And we visited with her for our Insight Summit earlier this year. And they don't ship their beef at all. They just do regional delivery. So they will drive around a certain radius as far as their car will allow them to do um, and can drop off meat um, anywhere in the Twin Cities in that case or the surrounding area. So that's probably an easier place to start. In those situations, you wouldn't necessarily have to do online payments um, or any online sales if you didn't want to. Um, you could really um, negotiate things in person or you could start small and just take online payment but only do ordering by email, more of what we would call kind of a traditional catalog format back when we printed catalogs and things. Um, so I guess even starting from scratch, there are a lot of different versions of scratch where people can start with. But the simplest, if you're starting without an already existing website, would be to work through a website that already has um, a virtual shopping cart integrated, something like Squarespace that can help you from start to finish to take payments online to um, calculate shipping and um, those types of rates in an online environment to use some of the tools that already exist. Yeah, absolutely. And just one more thing, considering everything that's going on right now, do you think it's a good time to implement an online strategy? Sure. Yeah, that's another difficult one to say because it depends on what type of support you have. Uh, one of the major things is really evaluating what time you have to manage learning a new system and teaching customers to manage a new system. So there are questions you kind of need to answer for your own perspective of, do I either have the capacity to learn a new system and teach myself a new technology at this time, or is there someone in my inner circle who could help me with it? Um, you know, perhaps there's a, a college student in the family who, who isn't going to take classes this next semester or has a little more time and is closer and could help you with things? Um, or is there somebody else um, who's willing to take that time investment and interested in learning? The other piece is really looking at your customers and seeing, you know, are they asking for me to sell online? You can get into new markets this way but you really need to at least have some existing customers that would be interested in doing it in a new way to make it worthwhile, particularly if you're thinking about investing in new technology to do it. So there are a lot of plugins and a lot of applications for these types of things, but most of them have a charge of some kind. So you have to make sure that you evaluate that as a new cost to your business and decide if there are enough current customers that will be interested in transitioning to an online sales approach and 
then if there are new customers, you can reach because of it. I know we keep hearing um, stories about um, particular fresh fruits and vegetables here in Florida that are having trouble losing their current markets of school lunches and local restaurants and that sort of thing. So I think it is an opportunity where there are new markets. Um, in my current situation, it would be nice to have some of those things shipped directly to my door, right? But you have to make sure that you have a market and a way to get to those new customers as well as serving your existing customers. So if you're already directly selling to consumers, that would be the easiest transition to make. And sure, what a great time to kind of push you to the next level. If you're not currently selling directly to consumers, you have to make sure you have a way to find that market. So maybe there's a local chamber of commerce that's kind of gathering resources and helping pass information out. Um, maybe it's an opportunity to do some online advertising which can be an effective way, both through the social media platforms, as well as through some, some regular online advertising, promoting posts, um, and connecting with your local media to help share the message that you're still open and you're sharing in an online environment. In some cases, there may be charges for those. In some cases, there are places um, where radio stations and television stations are keeping lists of businesses that are still open during this time where you could post your website. So it comes down to the main resource of time. If, if you have the ability to do that and the time to do that and a customer base that's willing to engage with you. And this may be the time that people are willing to engage with you because they have to um, if they want to be able to get your products. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think that sums it up really well, and that's a good stopping point for us. So once again, Lori, thank you so much for sharing your time and joining us on the podcast. I want to remind our listeners that if you're interested in learning more from Lori and the other experts at the Center for Rural Enterprise Engagement, you can find Cree online at ruralengagement.org. There you can find blog posts with more specifics related to online selling and many other resources for agricultural businesses. There's also a link to Cree's e-commerce guidance blog post, which includes lots of specific advice for selling online in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Wedgworth Leadership Institute podcast. The Wedgworth Leadership Institute for Agriculture and Natural Resources is a University of Florida Institute for Food and Agricultural Sciences Extension Program.